Hi, hi, y'all. It's just Dicey here today. We'll be doing our first non-TV tidbit talk, which is a series where I will come in and do a mostly unedited version of just talk about something that I care about. Um, in the future, there will be TV tidbit talks, um, but today we're doing a non-TV tidbit talk about micro-labels and my sexuality and truth my ideology and how those things interconnect for me personally. So I think the first thing I have to do if we're going to talk about this is talk about what I mean by true scum and um, for me personally and I think for a lot of the online queer discourse a true scum person is someone who has ideologies that is envy phobic or non-binary exclusionary um, and not necessarily anti-trans, although personally I would argue that anybody who is anti-non-binary uh, is a little bit anti-trans because a lot of people who are non-binary consider themselves trans. And so um, when you actively try to exclude portions of people who consider themselves trans from the discourse um, about trans issues, then I think that is being trans-exclusionary. Um, and so... There is a distinction to be made between true scum and TERFs or trans-exclusionists, but I would say that they do go hand in hand. Um, and I think it's a little bit difficult in a society that is pretty strict in its gender binary. Although it has been softening over time, it's still pretty, um, I would say, rigid, especially in some parts of our country, uh, which I live in America. Um, but in some parts of America, especially the South, um, there is a lot of rigid gender roles. Uh, and so it's very difficult to avoid being influenced by those gender roles. And the idea that you either are masculine and a man or feminine and a woman. And that, for me, was very ingrained in me. I had to kind of undo my own ideologies that were harmful in that sense on my own. Um, it, it took a lot of work on my own from the ages of 16 to now. I will probably never be done with that work. As a cis person, I don't feel like we can ever really be done working on ourselves and trying to make sure that we are as accepting and as understanding as we can possibly be, um, given that we can never truly understand what it is like to be a trans or non-binary person. Um, I should say that uh, I do have a very personal connection to this. My partner, Gibson, who's usually on here with me, is a queer non-binary person, and I am sapphic. That's what I would identify as. And this is something that's really important to me, especially because I I know quite a few non-binary people, but also because I know what it's like to have those beliefs. And while I have been working on undoing those beliefs since a pretty young age, I understand that it's difficult to avoid having those ingrained in you. So I understand that it cannot be easy to live in a world where that is the norm, where everybody around you 
already hates you. I mean, I can, but not necessarily in the same way. I will, I would never hide myself or my sexuality because of my personal feelings towards that. Um, I would never go back in the closet, basically, is what I'm saying. But, you know, that's a privilege that I have, is that I can go back in the closet. And a lot of trans folks don't have that privilege, and a lot of, a lot of people in the world don't have that privilege. A lot of marginalized folks in the world don't have that privilege. And I would say even in some ways I don't have that privilege as a woman who has a very feminine figure and has pretty much since I turned 14. Um, so I, I can understand it in some ways, but I will never understand it in a more personal sense. And so it's important to me that I keep doing the work because I want to be the best ally that I can be to these people who I know and care about a lot. There's a lot of people in my life who I really care about who are non-binary or otherwise gender non-conforming or trans. Um, and I think that I see a lot of pain that they go through um, and I don't want to contribute to that in any way and I want to try to work as hard as I can to stop myself from, from contributing to that and so for me it's important to establish why this is important to me because I want it to be important to other cis people too um you know it's not necessarily an easy task but it is something that I think you should prioritize in your life to try to undo unconscious biases that you have and sometimes they're more forward and sometimes you really have to dig for them but when you do uncover one it's important that you really address it instead of ignore it because um I think those biases can hurt yourself too and I'm gonna get into exactly how my true scum ideologies hurt me as a queer woman um so I'm sapphic, as I said earlier. That is what I would identify as. Um, that's considered a micro-label for some people. Some people would consider it an umbrella term. For me, I would consider it something very specific. I am attracted to femininity. Um, and I know that that's really vague, but I think that that vagueness is something that makes it what it is. I'm attracted to people with a strong feminine gender expression, who wear a lot of makeup, or have longer hair, curly hair, um, you know, do their hair or dye their hair, um, wear dresses, or a lot of skirts, um, and jewelry. That's what I like, and that doesn't really well, I mean, not just what I like, but that's what I am. I mean, that's that's what I find myself attracted to over and over again. And I have been trying to figure out my sexuality probably since I was 12 and developed my first crush on my best friend. Um, and, I mean, not my first crush, but my first, like, you know, real crush um, on my best friend who was another girl in my class. And I knew, I've known since then, that it's like, I'm definitely attracted to women. I got into high school. I was attracted to some men, but not all. And 
more women than men for sure. And so I had come to the conclusion at multiple points throughout my high school career that I was a lesbian. I figured, you know, if I am finding myself exclusively attracted to femininity, then that must mean I'm a lesbian and that any attraction to anybody else is incidental. Um, or, you know, because sexuality is fluid. Um, and while that might, uh, while that might be true, um, that some people's sexuality is fluid, I actually found that my sexuality is pretty consistent. Um, it just is more complicated. And not having a complicated idea of gender made it so that I couldn't complicate my own idea of my sexuality. Having such a rigid binary made me have a less well-grounded understanding of myself. And I think a lot of times, you know, we when we base our ideas off of less nuanced foundation, then we come out with something that just doesn't ring true or feel right. And that was definitely the case for me. I went back and forth between identifying as a lesbian and identifying as a bisexual woman. Um, I identified as pan um, at some points. And I just threw around all sorts of different labels. And I was really lost and I haven't even been identifying as sapphic for that long although much longer without really feeling confused about my identity because I would put on those labels in high school and not feel any sort of connection to them but they were the only thing that made sense for me because I wouldn't let go of such a rigid idea of gender that I felt that my sexuality had to align with that. And now that I have found a term that I identify with much more strongly, I feel... You know how people who are bisexual talk about their imposter syndrome with being queer and um, and that kind of thing. Like, I definitely felt that all the time. Like, I was, like, I worried that I was taking up queer space when I shouldn't have been. And that's a whole other conversation because um, LGBT plus community gatekeeping is a conversation in and of itself. But I am happier now and more settled in my identity now that I have done work to try to undo these ideologies. And I really think that set me back. Um, when I look around at other queer folks who I know who were pretty aware of their identity, I feel a little bit set back. And it, there's nothing wrong with coming out at a later age. But I think I would have figured myself out faster and sooner if I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been indoctrinated in these ideas of a bi a gender binary, um, and you know I don't necessarily blame the people in my life who did push these ideologies. Um, 
yeah, I don't necessarily blame them. It's just, I wish that we would consider the ideas that we teach to children because it is more difficult for the child to unlearn than to be taught or for us to wait to teach them. Um, and there was no way for my parents necessarily to shield me from a gender binary in our society, but they could have tried to counteract it. Um, of course, I'm not going to critique my parents here, that's not what we're doing, but I, I mean, I think I would have been better off if I had not internalized that. And of course, everybody would have been better off if they had not internalized some form of biasy, whatever their more prominent form of biasy is. Um, you know, because you never know what your child is going to grow into. And so they could, you know, I saw a TikTok that was about a, a woman in a wheelchair who had, uh, whose mother had made them write a paper about what it had been like if they had uh, broken both of their legs and, and had to use a wheelchair for the rest of their life. And then they ended up growing up and having to use a wheelchair. And, and connecting that kind of thing with shame, you know, obviously hurt them. And that is how I feel. Like, I feel like I was... I had a harder time coming to terms with my sexuality. I had a harder time coming into myself because I didn't have a strong understanding of gender identity and gender expression. But not only that, I had a counterintuitive understanding of gender identity and gender expression. And if you're looking for a video to explain why people who are non-binary are valid or, um, you know, try to convince you, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. My partner is non-binary and I have no interest in debating their existence with anybody. Um, and I find it kind of offensive. There's also a lot of people who have already done that. And so if that's what you're looking for, if that's what you need, then I'm sorry, this is just not the podcast for you. I am, I am not willing to sit there and do that for you. Um, and I'm also not the person. I'm a cis woman, and I could not explain it the same way that somebody who is non-binary um, or otherwise uh, not a part of the gender binary um, would, would be able to do it. So I'm not going to sit here and do that, but... I think it's important that you do do that work if you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't understand it, so, you know, can you explain it to me? Well, I'm not going to explain it. I'm not the person, and I personally don't have the heart. Um, I am a little bit sensitive about that kind of thing, but I think that there are lots of people who've already done it very well, and if you are curious, I will probably link a couple of videos in the, the doobly-doo, as some people call it, um, about gender identity, I would suggest you look into Ashton Daniel and Brennan Beckworth. They've both done a pretty good job of handling the more specifics of that kind of thing, but I, I'm not that person, so um, 
yeah, back back to what I was saying. Uh, I needed to figure out my sexuality. It, I I was, and when I say so confused, I mean like it consumed parts of my life. Like I can really remember just spending hours thinking about it and and being confused and spending all day being like, well, what if I'm not this? And like when I would call myself a lesbian, I felt like a liar and, and it's not a good feeling and it leaves you in limbo. And I think a lot of people who are queer who fall into uh, the under the umbrella of maybe bisexuality or pansexuality, um, they probably experience this because we are so ingrained, we are so um, indoctrinated into these ideologies that it's difficult to understand yourself. Uh, I think that even though some people consider micro-labels confusing, it's a sexuality spectrum, and like nobody is sitting in the same spot. When you have a spectrum, that means that there are literally millions, maybe even infinity identities that exist in the world, and nobody is going to experience a sexuality in the same way as other people. And that's why I think microlabels are important to validate. Some people don't want to be labeled at all, and I think that is perfectly valid because this is a very personal thing, and whatever feels good and right to you is what you need. But for me, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, and I felt like I needed some sort of term to help me understand myself better. And having a label, something more specific to myself makes me feel closer to myself and like I have a, a deeper personal understanding of who I am. It's hard to accept yourself and really believe in yourself when nothing that you put on feels right. And even for a while, I was just going around as queer. I just called myself queer and I went with that and I was like you know what I'm just not going to go with a big label I'm just going to be like yeah I'm a part of a queer community and I will just not label at all but that didn't feel right either and it's really about who you are and what you need in your journey and invalidating microlabels because you find them personally confusing because you don't immediately know what they are is not really a valid reason to try to gatekeep people from using these terms because it's really more of a way for them to identify themselves and that's very personal and it has nothing to do with how other people understand you and everything to do with how you understand yourself. And to take that away from people is completely inappropriate. Um, I feel that way about gender identities and I feel that way about sexual identities. It, it's a personal decision that you make that you have complete control over. And 
I understand why people may be opposed to micro-labels. But for me, and for a lot of other people out there, they have been saving graces and understanding ourselves. And I'm not willing to put other people's slight discomfort over personal understanding of myself. That's basically my thoughts on that. I love being queer, and I have always loved being a part of the queer community, but it wasn't until I really came into my own label and shed my true scum ideology that I really felt like I belonged here. And I think that's really important to young queer folks. So I think that no matter if you're a cis person or a trans person or a non-binary person in the queer community, it's important that you do that work, if not for other people so that you don't hurt other people, for yourself. I guess that's it. Micro-labels are good, actually. <laughs> um, 